Good day, evening, morning time, folks. I am Ed Moore, your host, and this is Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. Installment 86, to be specific. Now, if any of that moves you, or what I say after this, feel free to leave comments on Twitter for Teal Productions, T-E-A-L. On Google Plus and Facebook, Lords of Order has pages. You can leave comments there. The email address is the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com and bigtimenoise.com slash Dr. Fate is the website address. Let that be a segue to a comment that was left recently on the website attached to episode 68 for Lords of Order. And this was by Aloysia, maybe, if I am pronouncing that right. If not, I certainly apologize. Um, bear with me and and bear with the author. I believe he is Italian and is from Italy. And so uh, the English, I, I'm, I'm going to read as he typed because I don't want to change his words, but bear in mind that um, speaking other languages, there there are differences in, in the way that it is spoken. He says, well, I've read yesterday the issue 11 of Dr. Fate. Wow, issue 11, and there's like 18, so he just recently, um, let's see if I have marked here when this came through. I got notice of this on January 8th, so that was almost a month ago. I'm in Italy, and we have a bit of delay in printing, and I must outline a thing, he or she says. The skeletons seen by Khalid when he escaped in the floor of the tomb, that's where the skeletons were, aren't some sort of Justice League reference, but are clearly the main character of the French comic book Asterix, or The Adventures of Asterix, which I think is most frequently how we see them over here. One of the most famous and important comics production of French and whole Europe, tied with a lot of TV transposition and some films. In the Asterix comics, the heroes, a village of barbarian who resist to the Roman Empire, usually fight and ridicule Julius Caesar, which is usually drawn in a much similar way to the ghost in this issue. If you remember, the ghost uh, leader was of Julius Caesar. The whole story seems an homage to the asterisk stories. Um, I am familiar with Asterisk. I understand the uh, position that it has in the history of comics overall, a, a very long and illustrious history, many, many volumes. Personally, I have never read any of them. I've always thought that the comics were intended to be um, farcical or, uh, at the very least, humorous or satirizing. Um, none of which particularly appeals to me by way of comic books. That's not necessarily what I look for in comic books. I'm not after political statements that match my own political beliefs or anything like that. So I've always steered away from them. 
every now and then I get close to picking up a volume and reading it just to see, but I have not managed to, to cross that threshold yet. I, I should just to broaden my own knowledge of comic books, to, to expose myself to those, and I will, I'm sure, at some point. I just haven't managed to do it uh, yet. Those of you that may be familiar with Asterisk, um, as far as having read it, by all means, in the next several episodes, chime in and and let us know what you think about those. I would be interested to see um, a few more positive notes about the book, and that probably will encourage me to pick up a volume and read it. I believe it is still being produced. Uh, Every now and then I will see a new English translation volume uh, over here in previews. So... uh, Thank you very much for that feedback, Aloysius. Aloysius, I apologize. Um, Thank you for that feedback. And please, uh, these questions that I have so that uh, you don't think I'm I'm just being a jerk about it or anything like that, let me know where I have gone wrong in the pronunciation of your name and things like that. I'll I'll be more than happy to, to, you know, keep up after that point so that I don't, so that I don't sound like a boob. I don't intend to. All right, this time out, we finish up our Dr. Fate appearances in All-Star Squadron. We will be looking at issues 50 through 60, predominantly issues 50 and 51, with a little bit thrown in from 54 and 57. Now, this finishes up both Dr. Fate's appearances in All-Star Squadron, but also the All-Star Squadron book itself. 50 through 55 or 56, I forget which one, those are all crisis tie-ins. 50 starts the crisis tie-in. Um, and also 51 starts a storyline that goes through 58 or 59 as far as the uh, the bad guys, you know, who, who the All-Star Squadron is fighting up until that point. Issue 60 is, is a nice close and summation on everything. The The final two-page spread of the book is really cool. And I'll, I'll say a little bit about that here in a moment. But first, let's talk about what is going on in Issue 50 of All-Star Squadron. We see that the Justice Society members are gathering for their regular meeting. Their regular, I believe it's monthly meeting. Might be weekly at this point. Now, if you recall recently, they they have been assigned as being the Justice Battalion and being a home-centric, um, USA, home-centric type of organization, along with members of the All-Star Squadron, all being called Justice Battalion. Now, the members in attendance are Hawkman, who I believe is still the chair, Starman, Johnny Thunder, the Spectre, Adam, Wonder Woman, the Secretary, Dr. Midnight, and Sandman. So they're gathering for their meeting, and they quickly are subdued and captured by a group of Nazi agents. Um, A little too quickly, in my mind, being that they are the Justice Society. But, okay, we'll go with it. It's for the story. Uh, They're quickly transported off-site to some other place where the leader... Um, who is a scientist, and I didn't. I neglected to log his name, but he's he's just a Nazi scientist. But he has constructed eight rocket ships. Each member of the Justice Society is placed in their own individual rocket ship and shot off into space. So they are getting them off planet, so they don't have to worry about them. Unfortunately, due to the intervention of Harbinger, 
and thus starts our crisis crossover influence on the book. The JSAers end up in various alternate dimensions. Each rocket ship ends up in a different dimension, heading for a planet in our solar system that resembles our planets of name, whichever one you want to say, but is not exactly like our Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, etc. Um, We see that Dr. Fate was not at the JSA meeting because he shirked that responsibility to be at some sort of press function, press junket, what have you, with this upstart group called the All-Star Squadron. You know, so that he's he's ditching the A team to to hang out with these scrubs here, these new guys. I don't know what that's about. I I didn't think that was very right, but that's what he's doing. Um, in the midst here is an interlude where uh, Doctor Midnight is catching Tarantula up on some recent incidents in his life, Doctor Midnight's life whereby uh, Dr. Fate cured him of the sickness, uh, shall we say, uh, cancerous, uh, you could almost say, repercussions of Dr. Midnight's or, or Rex's taking of the Miraclo pill that he uses to gain abilities as Dr. Midnight. It's been poisoning him each time he takes it, more and more and more. So it's a, uh, it's kind of like the like cyanide, it, it bioamplifies, um, and it has now gotten to the point where it is starting to affect him physically. Well, Doctor Fate delivers him, or uh, I guess if if you were of a of a, a Christian mind, he saves him. I don't say that lightly. I'm trying to be funny. Of of that, uh, it it is expelled from his body, looking much like a a demonish kind of cloud funk that is dispelled from Rex and then fate dispels out of the tower. But he tells Rex that he will only stay healthy if he kicks the Miraclo. Stay off the drugs, dog. They're killing you. That's even before it was popular. Well, no, actually, this was back in the '80s, so that was we we have Ronald and Nancy to thank for that, right? Of course. So now we we get back to Doctor Fate just about uh, just as he's about to head out. You know, he's like, "Oh wow, look, look at the time. I got to ditch this thing. I got to do my real responsibility." You know, I had that JSA meeting that I'm kicking off. He though, and the other All Stars decide to pursue some of the residual energy that Harbinger left when she came into the vicinity and kidnapped Firebrand. Yeah, she just took her, took off. They all felt that something funky, you know, was kind of going on because they were all, particularly those that returned from England and had just been messing with all those magics in England with the Shining Knight and all that earlier in All-Star Squadron. That particular core group of All-Stars was particularly susceptible to to the uh, magical wavelength, uh, if, if you will. Their, their aura was particularly sensitive to that. So they felt a disturbance in the Force as if... No, I'm sorry. Um, and so they, they tracked it down, and now they're going to uh, jet off and find out what it was exactly, particularly to see if it had anything to do with Firebrand's disappearance. 
So he joins them. Um, they do that, but they are they are uh, cut short. Uh, they're not able to continue to pursue Harbinger beyond a certain point, realizing that they head back to Earth uh, and find out through conference with one Dr. Occult, again brought back from that mission over in England recently, that uh, basically something sinister this way comes, is what Dr. Occult tells him. Not in those words. Those are my words, but I think they're pretty good words. So finally, Fate and Our Man head off to hook up with the JSA, catch them up, what's going on, find out if there's anything going on with JSA they need to know, maybe team up and you know start working some stuff out. But when they get to the brownstone, they find instead the monster society of evil waiting for them. And that is Mr. Mind, Nyola, the high priestess of Tlaloc, T-L-A-L-O-C, Tlaloc. Nightshade slash Ramulus. He changed his name because he thought Nightshade was too feminine. His words, not mine. Um, Mr. Who and Oom the Mighty, who both of, excuse me, of those are particular, uh, should be of particular interest to us, because Oom the Mighty is from All-Star Comics issue three. Uh, He fought the Spectre, I believe, in that issue, but we would have run into him. And Mr. Who, more directly, from More Fun Comics 73, that Dr. Fate himself fought. Now, this initial encounter between our couple of good guys and all the bad guys go as comic book melees of this sort go. Uh, The bad guys won. The good guys are captured. However, the good guys benefit from the sudden appearance of Sandy, who is the sidekick to the Golden Age Sandman. He's out looking for Sandman because Sandman is one of the missing. And, of course, where do you go first? Well, Sandman had this JSA meeting. I'll go hook up with him there. So Sandy is there. Um, this time the tables are turned. The good guys win. However, Dr. Fate is captured by Oom, the Mighty, who then transports the two of them to the dark side of the moon to finish Dr. Fate. Which leaves uh, Dr. Midnight, Sandy, and the captured Hawk Girl, who was uh, looking for Hawkman also, uh, uh, not also, but looking for Hawkman, and got uh, got to the brownstone before Fate and uh, um, Our Man, and so was captured by the Monster Society of Evil much more easily, right? Because she, she is just a single. She was one against the five. Um... So that is 50 and 51. Uh, the story continues. la di da da That's the story continue, by the way. Until issue 54, Dr. Fate appears again. Miraculously appears. Having escaped Oom the Mighty when he lost his physical battle on the moon and survived by finding moon rocks that contained oxygen which he sucked out and was able to breathe until he was able to regain regain his strength and then came back to Earth. Flew back to Earth, I guess, right? I mean, that's that's all he can do. So, 
he found enough oxygen by sucking rocks on the moon. Okay, well, that's good. How then did he breathe from the trip to the moon to the Earth? Because you know it took a little while anyways, flying at whatever speed he is able to fly, and he can't... Did he hold his breath the whole time? Okay, sorry. Maybe I'm I'm not pretending like they pretended, so I, I apologize for that. It just... it struck me as curious that they explained the one, but yet the huge gaping hole in the story they just let go. So, okay. Maybe he carried one big rock with him and sucked on it. I, yeah, I don't know. So that was 54, 55, 56, and uh, nothing really significant as far as Dr. Fate. Much significance uh, in the progression of the story against the uh, between the Monster Society of Evil and the All-Star Squadron. Okay, still no justice society. Because at this point, Dr. Fate and Dr. Occult team up, use their powers to to determine, to divine, if you will, where the justice society members are. And they see that they are all, each of them, in other dimensions. And here we finally get a listing of exactly which ones are missing. Even when they disappeared, they never showed all eight for you really to put together how many were at the meeting. But here we see that they are all gone. And having located them, we then break into in the story for this issue, issue 57, separate vignettes for Starman, Adam, and Wonder Woman catching us up on what they have been doing. And that is where we determine... No, not determine. That is where we find out that they are at alternate dimension locations of our same planets. Uh, Wonder Woman goes to some freaky kind of Venus. Adam goes to some freaky kind of Mars, etc., etc. Uh, so that that finishes up any significant involvement of uh, of Doctor Fate with the All Star Squadron. However, the Issue 60, the final two-page spread, is a picture of the entire All-Star Squadron gathered, except for Plastic Man and um, Phantom Lady, who earlier were spirited off by Uncle Sam to join the Freedom Fighters on uh, Earth of Earth X maybe um and there this this the end of this first of all uh i always enjoyed all-star squadron on its own i don't necessarily enjoy it talking about the dr fate aspect because there wasn't very many so in that aspect no but the book itself i enjoyed i enjoyed how roy and dan thomas would bring forth older seldom used if unused since the actual golden age characters um, they have shown up on and off in the All-Star Squadron. As this is winding down and crisis is going on, there's a scene in 54, I think, maybe 55, where um, Liberty Bell addresses a, a gathering of heroes, both due to crisis but also due to uh, the Monster Society of Evil. And there are characters in there I have never heard of. When Uncle Sam shows up with several members of the Freedom Fighters and recruits Plastic Man and Phantom Lady to never return to Earth 2, it says, 
there is a two-page spread where they are are jetting through the dimensions to Earth X, and there are several members of the Freedom Fighters that I had never heard of before. Now, that could very well be. Both of these could be because I didn't read very much Golden Age DC, and I have not read Freedom Fighters, which I believe was also a Golden Age property. So, these characters though unknown to me, may be major members, you know, of those situations. And and I was not aware of that. Another um, shortcoming of my own knowledge, um, I have far deeper and broader knowledge of the Marvel Universe than I do to the DC Universe. So, uh, in my spare time, I'm trying to fix that, but it is slow going, of course, as I have other readings that I want to keep up with as well. So there we go, guys. That is everything for this episode of the show. Next time out, I will give my thoughts on more fun comics issue 85 as we get back into the true golden golden age adventures of Kent Nelson and Dr. Fate. Talk to you guys then. Ciao, Bell. Lords of Order is a teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license.